tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome to Joy News Desk. My name is Aisha Ibrahim. Coming up this morning, Minerals Commission rejects and deletes from its online register an application by a company seeking a license to mine in the Kakum National Park. More as the commission says it will not give clearance for any form of mining to take place in that park. Also, tobacco industry found to be frustrating implementation of syntax. How can it be checked? We have a conversation ahead of the 2024 budget presentation. And later, I will tell you about the global call to deal effectively and decisively with plastic waste in the wake of its devastating effects on marine life and the environment. We have details plus more and business coming up shortly. Please stay for the details. Minerals Commission says it has rejected and deleted from its online register an application by a company seeking a license to mine in the Kakum National Park. In a statement signed by its chief executive officer, the commission said it will not give clearance for any form of mining to take place in the Kakum National Park. Let's look at the full uh, the details of that statement and it's right there on your screen. Uh, it says the attention of the Minerals Commission has been drawn to publications on social media that civil society organizations in the country have vehemently kicked against the attempt by a mining firm to mine in the Kakum National Park in the central region. According to the CSOs, the move follows an application by the High Street Limited to the Minerals Commission for a license to mine in the Kakum National Park. The Commission wishes to inform the CSOs and the public that the application by High Street Limited was rejected and therefore cannot be processed or considered whatsoever. Consequently, the Commission has deleted the application from the online mining. The uh, Commission wishes to assure the public no mineral rights, whether for prospecting or mining, shall be considered or granted in the Kakum National Park. And it's signed by Chief Executive Officer Martin Kweku AEC. I have been joined by uh, Dr. Mustafa Seidu. He is the Executive Director of, the, of Nature and Development Foundation. Thank you so much, sir, for your time this morning. I want us to look more into this uh, claim of licensing to mine in the Kakum National Park. Yes, good morning. Right. So, Doc, um, first, what do you make of um, a company having the audacity, uh, if I may put it, to actually uh, ask for a license to mine at the Kakum National Park? Yes. Um, Asha is very worrying um, because this application by the company is grounded under a new regulation that was passed in November last year. It's called Environment, uh, Mining, Environmental Protection Mining and Forest Reserve Regulations LI 2462 that allows mining 
in all forest reserves, with few exceptions. So uh, it just tells you that all the money, all the forest reserves in this country, including the Kaku National Park, can be put under mining. And so we are not surprised that a company has actually applied for that. The audacity, like you put it, or to even think about applying for a mining lease in the Kaku National Park is worrying. It just tells you that there is no forest reserve in this country that is protected from mining. Every forest reserve is a candidate mining site under these new regulations. This reminds us, uh, I mean, of the bigger picture of how well we are protecting our forest reserves. And you rightly indicated what ideally should have been the situation. So we know, and I said, said this before, we already have enough in our hands with respect to illegal mining in off-reserve, in, in forest reserve. For governments to add to this problem by opening up forest reserve for mining is, 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 uh, is unfortunate, to say the least. So for me, and what we are asking for as civil society is for government to reconsider this law, amend it or repeal it totally. I think we have enough land outside forest reserves where we can mine. To think that the few areas that are reserved for forest reserves for the protection of water bodies, for providing permit for cocoa, should also be given out for mining is very challenging to understand uh, the reasoning behind it. Uh, and so we think that uh, we don't need to mine in our forest reserve. Forest reserve need to be protected. There's a reason for protecting, for reserving those forest reserve, and we need to protect them as such and maintain them under uh, perpetual forest cover and, and not open them for mining. Indeed, if we open them for mining, I can tell you for a fact that we will have a difficulty ever putting those areas back to forest because once you're opening them up you're opening them the rules and everything for the illegal guys to go in and they will ever remain there and and then you will never have a chance of bringing any forest in fact when you take natural forest there is no any artificial resemblance to natural forest you can ever have there and for me if we're doing underground mining that's okay but to do an open cast mining in forest reserve, they are never compatible with sustainable forest management, and, and they cannot go together. I'm grateful for your time. Dr. Mustafa Yusuf is uh, with the uh, Nature and Development Foundation. He is the executive director. Let's get on to other stories. The government of Ghana is calling for sustainable ways of ensuring that we deal with plastics in our country. Um, it says that all over the world, uh, negotiations are there to formulate an internationally binding law aimed at tackling plastic pollution. Ghana continues to grapple with what experts describe as a plastic menace as an estimated 86% of the country's waste plastic load and it's improperly disposed, resulting in plastic clogging up storm water drains and rivers. Aside uh, from its contribution to perennial flooding, plastic waste also affects marine life and poses danger to the global fight to tackle climate change. Head of Diplomatic Affairs uh, Desk, uh, Blessed Soga, is in Nairobi, where the negotiations open today. He joins us live. Uh, Blessed, is this law seeking to ban plastics? Well, Aisha, I hope you can hear me. And uh, we, we are uh, right here at the uh, United Nations um, headquarters in Kenya, where the intergovernmental negotiations on plastics has started. Now, uh, what you need to know is that uh, the building uh, that you find right 
next to us is where uh, countries all over the world are gathered and are having conversations on how to deal with this plastic menace. Here in Ghana, uh, in Ghana, I should say, we know that plastics has been a major hurdle uh, for the country, giving it uh, associated issues of pollution and it's uh, you know interconnected um, issues of how government is unable to effectively uh, manage the waste. Is the reason for which these negotiations are ongoing? Uh, Ghana has been leading the fight and stating its position on this matter here in Kenya, leading the group of African nations that are calling for sustainable production of uh, plastics and also associated with it is the need for to have an effective management system. Uh, so that conference has uh, started, officially opened by uh, Kenya's President William Ruto, who was here earlier today to introduce, um, you know, what the Kenyan version and position on this matter has been. Technically, the draft would have to be adopted by all member states and of course that that would then lead to how fine-tuned this piece of document would be we do not know if it will go to the extent of banning it except to say that there's a united call amongst all member states here calling for drastic measures to tackle this plastic menace we can listen to uh, kenya's president uh, william ruto who addressed the gathering well, we'll be, we'll be getting to hear uh, the Kenyan president on that. But, Blessed, before that, what, what has been Ghana and Africa's position at large? Uh, well, so uh, Ghana is representing the Africa group, uh, leading that charge uh, of developing nations who say that they act, uh, you know, acknowledge um, you know, the, the kind of jobs, the kind of opportunities that uh, this whole uh, plastic industry, uh, you know, presents to its uh, growing population and to tackling the issues of job creation. However, they are pointing out very clearly that they would need a more sustainable way of tackling the issue because it's, uh, you know, posing danger to marine life and there will be a need for some uh, laws in the coming days to tackle that. Right, Blazer Soga is with the Diplomatic Affairs Desk. Uh, um, we, we can now uh, hear uh, Ghana's position on this. Deliberate on plastic pollution. As a region, we embrace the comprehensive life cycle approach to prevent plastic pollution. On chemicals, polymers and problematic plastics, the Africa Group calls for sustainable consumption and production of primary plastic and eliminating specific problematic polymers, chemicals, products, and applications of concern. Africa calls for measures for full transparency and information disclosure along the entire plastic value chain. On the just transition, Africa acknowledges that implementing the future instrument may lead to job and livelihood losses, as well as other socio-economic impacts along the plastic value chain. Therefore, as a group, we call for this instrument to take into account the national circumstances and ensure a fair, equitable, and inclusive transition for affected populations with special consideration for people in vulnerable situations, especially women, children, the youth, and waste pickers. On waste management and legacy plastic pollution, the Africa Group calls for an instrument that operationalizes the waste hierarchy by prioritizing waste prevention and reduction before recycling and management. We further call for effective measures that ensure environmentally sound waste management practices at different stages, namely the handling, collection, transportation, storage, recycling, and final disposal. The instrument should include effective measures to ensure cleanup and remediation of legacy pollution in all environments. On the financing mechanism, Chair, the Africa Group stresses the need for a new dedicated multilateral fund to provide the necessary predictable 
sustainable and adequate financial resources for countries in need to meet their commitments under the future instrument. The multilateral fund should be the vehicle for providing financial assistance to recipient countries on a grant basis for enabling activities and the incremental cost. On capacity building, development and infrastructure, the Africa Group wishes to emphasize the need of advanced infrastructure. And now, a special motorcycle weather report from Progressive. And today's forecast, expect a steady breeze with 100% chance of twisting down those country back roads gleefully on your motorcycle. Some will want you, others will want to be you, and animals everywhere will yearn for opposable thumbs just to work that throttle like you do. <laughs> on nature's cruel design. That's your forecast, back to you. This has been a special motorcycle weather report from Progressive, where every day is a beautiful day to ride with 24-7 roadside assistance from America's number one motorcycle insurer. Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, roadside assistance subject to policy terms and limits, and they require comprehensive coverage. Structures and institutional capacity building and development for African countries to effectively implement the future treaty. On research, innovation, awareness, and education, the Africa Group calls for an instrument that facilitates information and knowledge exchange, international cooperation, and coordinating best available science on sustainable consumption and production, research and technologies, and indigenous knowledge. On private sector and stakeholder engagement, the Africa Group encourages parties to promote actions that will stimulate The prevalence of non-communicable diseases in Ghana is worrisome, killing over 94,000 Ghanaians annually, rendering others disabled with many children lacking basic needs of food, shelter and education. To arrest this, government has put in place policies for the control of tobacco use, including tobacco taxation. There's been recommendations by ECOWAS and WHO as cost-effective interventions for preventing and controlling NCDs. My colleague Jacqueline Yaboa brings us her interactions with smokers and tobacco product dealers. Well, there's been a lot of talk on the use of tobacco in Ghana, talking about the detrimental effect it has on our system. And also, um, currently, um, the price increase on tobacco in Ghana. Um, currently, I'm with um, a couple of um, tobacco users and also one of um, the owners here who also sells it. Um, to have a conversation with them when it comes to the taxes, the fact that now there are more taxes on these items, but still the consumption seems to increase. And the fact that there are detrimental effects, but still um, they continue to consume it. So let let me just start my conversation with them. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing very fine. Eh? Yes, please. Okay. My my first question: You taking cigarettes? Yes, of course. I take cigarettes. All right. So why? Because I can see smoking causes rotting teeth. It damages your unborn child. It, it, it doesn't let others smoke. It causes rot a whole lot. But why do you still take it? Yes, as you rightly said, it is written there. But we've been taking it since long, and it is something that boosts my immune system. Somebody can take something to boost his immune system. It boosts your immune system. Yes, I, I like tobacco. Whatever you write there, I'm not. I don't care. After all, the, even the current government taxes here, taxes there, taxes wherever. But everybody is moving on. You cannot stop even the government on power not to impose taxes on certain things. But he's doing it. So if a group called itself has come out to say that they are putting on taxes on cigarette or tobacco, it's a welcoming news that, that, that wouldn't deter us from taking tobacco. Tobacco has been part and parcel of us, and it is with us. We will never leave tobacco. No matter how much they increase it, we will smoke tobacco. Even if they put it 100%, we will still smoke tobacco, because tobacco is part and part, parcel of us. How long have you been taking tobacco? Um, um, if I'm not mistaken, I started tobacco when I was 16 years. Wow. Tobacco, yes, 16 years. And how old are you now? I'm now 48. That's a very long time. Yes. But doesn't it have any effect on your body? Um, I've never been to hospital and my doctor has proven that tobacco has an effect on me. I have no, 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 no. So you, you, as for you, dear, no side effect on your body? I, 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 my doctor has not proven it yet, so I uh, still that I'm okay. So I have another gentleman here who also, um, you've, you, you take into... I take tobacco. Okay. Now, how long have you been taking this? Mm, let's say about five years. Let's say five years. Yeah, exactly five years. 
the side effect that they talk about, I see a lot um, causing breathing issues. Have you experienced any of them? I know, I know, I know how this is caused, but I have not experienced everything about it. Like, and I don't have any effect about it. And, and you are very fine. You're okay. I'm okay. If you run, I'm going to take some right now. I see. Now, there are taxes. Mm-hmm. The big conversation is there are taxes. They have to take the tax from it. Because this thing is killing to people, people, plenty people. So how can you put a tax on it? Then That means you are not going to buy again. Oh, if they still continue the tax, you are going to stop? I will stop. Because I cannot... Don't you think that would benefit the government? That one, I don't have a problem. I don't, I, I don't care. So you stop? I will stop. So that I will be free. Let me, let me come to you. You have been taking it for long. If the taxes increases, are you going to stop? I will never stop it because I know what it does to my system. I love, I love tobacco. I love tobacco. Tobacco of any kind, I love it. Auntie, and even if they say they are going to sell tobacco, one stick, 20 cities, and I fail to buy it, I will go and buy it. But that brings me to the taxes. The conversation is that taxes have been imposed on these. You know, it used to be called sin tax. No, why? You go continue smoke. Why wouldn't you so? Uh, don't you think it's, it's putting a lot of weight in your pocket? Because you are then spending a lot to get um, that item. Gold Coast time now, car price was low. By now, the, the car price was up. By still, we are buying car. Mm. So, so, regardless. Mm. Okay, all right. So, um, um, just as you heard from um, these gentlemen that I've been speaking to, regardless of the taxes that are being imposed, high prices of tobacco um, in Ghana, regardless, they are still um, going to continue to um, take it. But some are also of the opinion that when it keeps on increasing, um, they would have to probably resort to other means or um, quit and uh, not buy the tobacco anymore. Uh, right here, I am Jacqueline Asuma Yeboa reporting for Joy News. Well, according to a research finding by Vision for Alternative Development Ghana, the tobacco industry is influencing the implementation of the SIS duty amendment law passed by Parliament last year. Uh, Director of Programs at Vision for Alternative Development, Labaran Musa, joins me on Zoom uh, with more. Labaran, good to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. How did your research conclude that tobacco industry is influencing the implementation of the excise duty amendment law passed by Parliament last year? Right, so thank you very much for having me. Um, so um, I, I know we've had a couple of, I mean, engagement even on your, uh, on your, on your network uh, prior to the passage of the excise duty amendment uh, bill, um, Act 1093. Yes, so you notice that uh, throughout the process, there were a lot of activities that actually went on. And uh, one of the things that actually um, the public health community were very mad at is the fact that uh, um, even before the bill was passed into law, you also the drama that happened in parliament where it has to go through voting before uh, a public health act or a, health, a public health intervention could go through, you know, successfully before it got passed. So the point for us is uh, we actually have to embark on, you know, some study to understand, I mean, to what extent, I mean, the industry, you know, got involved in, in all of this. Now, um, you wouldn't find um, clearly um, a very direct, you know, um, I mean, influence or a direct lobbying, but um, activities like, you know, uh, media engagement, you know, um, drumming home the fact that, um, you know, the taxes, I mean, would lead to, you know, um, job job losses and the fact that uh, the government is overburdening the people with I mean taxes, and then we also cite you know some um, document that were you know were sent to the various um, sector ministries you know urging them not to not to I mean they cannot um, um, add, add taxes to to tobacco products or other unhealthy products. Um, so in fact, um, all of this, including the fact that we also had some. So, such organizations uh, who were also fronting for the tobacco industry by also, you know, joining the, 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 the you know, the, the chorus and then also advocating for the fact that one, there's a tax increment on tobacco products or other unhealthy products like tobacco and alcohol and then SSB. It will lead to a lot of things, like I mentioned. They also mentioned illicit tobacco and then also smuggling. And then the fact that, uh, like I mentioned, uh, governments were betting the people and that uh, there's a need for government to restrain from you know, adding more tax or adding more burden to people. 
But we all know that um, this product, um, this excise tax that uh, was proposed by the Ministry of Finance was actually, you know, a corrective tax. I mean, that's how we call it. It's called a health promotional tax. It's also called an excise tax because, you know, it does so many things, including the fact that uh, it reduces exposure and accessibility to children I mean, who are mostly targets of the industry. And I say this because me and you currently, um, if we decide not to smoke, there's no way we're going to smoke. So the target has always been our children, the young ones who are coming up, because definitely these are the, 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 the targets who they could always, you know, target with their product. And that's the reason why you see that these products um, were very cheap in the market. I mean, last year, um, they were very cheap in the market. So anybody that can access, exposing our, our youth and our children to, to the product. So the what's, for your, us is, mm, what, what's yeah, your so, recommendation? Yes, yeah, so let me just add that. You know, listen to the, I mean, the, 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 I mean, the, the conversation that went on with the smoker. You notice that most of them are, I mean, started smoking at the at, at a very young age. You know, and we also have to have to assess their the level of income and the, how are they able to care for their family and then the young ones and even their children. The point is this: once they become hooked, and it's called a nicotine that is found in the product. That's why the, uh, these people cannot stop smoking and they will continue to smoke. So the point for us is governments putting measures like you know, increasing taxes, because the taxes that were levied on the products, for us, we think that it's not punitive enough. Um, government need to up the taxes, if possible, increase it to by, I mean, uh, maybe another 50%, so that we can have the raw impact that we want. Because at the end of it all, people who smoke would definitely would have some complication. Either the person have chronic conditions, like, um, like we are currently facing. Arena Center have been closed down because of the number of people who continuously go to the hospital because of kidney problems, because of um, lung problems, because of heart failures, and it's because of these products. So government need to really look at many interventions, including the fact that uh, taxes are one of the best that uh, I mean many 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 of the many of the or many countries are imposing on their products, just so we can reduce exposure to children, improve public health, and then also ensure that at least we get revenue so that people who continue to smoke at least. We said they can be compensated because no matter what you do, you get problems. So once you get you get sick, at least um, the money that has been accrued, government should set aside at least earmark a percentage, if not all the funding, to support healthcare and go to chronic, I mean chronic, you know, um, diseases like the renal center, you know, the the um, the center at Kolebu where diabetes and hypertension people are suffering heart disease. So at least these uh, funds can go there to support people who are suffering from this kind of diseases. So that's our appeal to government. I'm grateful for your time. Labaran Musa is the program's uh, director of Vision for Alternative Development Ghana. Now let's get into this conversation that started during the weekend. A section of the Ghanaian public are backing the bush, the push to cap the number of ministers, deputies, as well as constituencies in the country. It follows a constitutional review consultative committee's proposal to cap the number of ministers at 25 and the removal of all deputy and regional ministers as part of a comprehensive constitutional reform. Listen to chair of the Constitutional Review Consultative Committee, Clara Berry Kasati, and a member of the committee, Anthony Fawson Jr. They spoke on Newsfile. Even talking about removal of all deputy ministers. Really? Yes. yes. What's, what's, what's the basis for that suggestion? We are cutting down the size of government. So the, we cap the ministers. Our recommendation is to cap ministers at 25. 25. Not more than 25. Ghana doesn't need more than 25 ministers to run. Interesting. Revolutionary. 25 ministers. Yes. No, no deputy ministers. No deputies. No. And it's capped. Capped. Yes. It's not in a situation like where Akufuado, you know, surprised all of us. 126 <laughs> ministers. <laughs> 25. Yeah. Yeah. And constituencies too should be capped. Now we have um, already have two seven two seven five with the possibility of two seven six with Sal. Exactly. Yes. And so, there has been a debate that we have known for a long while now that people were actually lazing their boots for uh, a total of twenty five new constituencies to be created. The EC has come out to say that the uh, yes, I get it. Only one. Yes, I get it. Yeah. You are saying it should be capped. It should yes. be capped. We don't need more than two seven seven constituencies. So for Parliament, you are not asking for a reduced number. 
You want it to stay at where it is. It's almost impossible. It will be very difficult to, re- to, to, to reduce it. If we say that, let's reduce it. I mean, the acrimony. So what, which one will be the lesser uh, evil? Cap it. Cap it. Mm. But the, the interesting point is the deputy ministers. Mm-hmm. Yes. All will go. Why? Regional ministers to all will go. Oh. Reacting to the development, some citizens who interacted with Joyny said the proposal, when implemented, will go a long way to cut down public expenditure while addressing the age-old corruption canker in the country. The 25 has been proposed. It's not a bad deal, but uh, we need to get the right people. 25 people can even cause more damage than, let's say, the over 200 that we have at the moment. So if they're 25, they are competent enough and they are less corrupt, I think it will go a long way to help us. Because looking at the current number we have, it comes with a lot of expenditure. They, are, they have their personal distance assistance. It's a whole lot. So in my view, I think the numbers doesn't matter most. But let's get the right people. People who have the country at heart. Still is too much. But if that is what they stand for it, okay, let's say every government that's come to power, not more than 25 ministers. If you can make it less, then make it less. But don't go above 25, you see. Because, I mean, look at what is going on in this country. Things are falling apart, and then you have almost 100 plus ministers, and then you are calling yourself a president. People are complaining, you are not listening to them, and you are still keeping those ministers. They should reduce them. Even to me, 20 will be okay, because previously they weren't up to the current number, and things were quite going on well, but recently, the now things are not even going on well. They should reduce them. Some are not even doing their work. Yeah, I said I think, yeah, they should reduce the number. Well, I've been joined by Dr. Asas Hunter. He's a senior political science lecturer of the political science department at the University of Ghana. Uh, Doc, I'm grateful for your time. You've been advocating for this for quite some time now. It must come as a relief. Good news. Um, I'm happy, and um, I take uh, consolation the fact that People are listening, and the ten tanks and all that. You remember, um, we've done discussion on this, uh, yourself, your good self, uh, Blessed and all that, where I talked about that. We need 19. I will go down, because my proposal is that let's have 19. If you read the Constitution, it tells us that we have a minimum of 10 and maximum of 19 ministers, uh, you know, cabinet ministers. Remember, Cabinet is made up of senior most ministers who assist the head of state to take important decisions in the state. So if you look at all the rest of the ministers, uh, very serious issues are discussed with Cabinet. So we don't need the rest of the ministers. That's why I have argued over the, 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 the period that we need 19. When you get the 19, then out of the 19, you take over 16 who would double up what regional ministers. So 16 of them will be what? Regional ministers at the same time, ministers of state. So take for instance, you have somebody who is a greater Accra regional minister and at the same time, minister of defense, for that matter. You will be left with three, and three, we can hand it over to what? Uh, single ministers, all right? So you can give it to one of the biggest, being finance. Finance will be a loan. And you have maybe defense, and you have another, three. But the 16, will double as regional ministers and at the same time ministers of state. Then, how do you support them? You support them with the top civil servants who constitute the bureaucracy. They will support these ministers to deliver. So you have a minister, wherever his uh, you know, office will be, is in Accra, yes, obviously will be in Accra, but controlling a particular uh, you know, region. And then civil servants assisting him. That creates more room for more civil servants to be employed so that later they can fill uh, into the shoes of uh, the, the experienced one. I think uh, that is what I have said over the years. So I'm happy that this Constitutional Review Committee have found uh, it interesting to also take the conversation and not further. Uh, it depends, but I, want, I don't want 25. I still want more than 90. 
Donc, and then out of the 19 you take what? Deputy, uh, sorry, uh, regional ministers from that and let no deputies. Doc, there are those who feel that removing deputies, for instance, will cause a problem uh, in the event that any of these ministers is not available, either because he is under the carpet, uh, under the weather, or is uh, on an assignment elsewhere. I mean, if you look at Article 60, the Constitution is deliberate about the vice president being there when the president is unavailable. And so in the event where these ministers would even be playing double roles and they do not have deputies, in the event that they are unwell or they have to attend to other businesses, what then happens? With all due respect, they don't know the workings of the ministry, the bureaucracy, how they work. Even without ministers, the ministry continue to work under the chief director. So they are the phases of what? The ministry. Except that they are what? Politically neutral. They don't take all the blame, the praises and all that. But they do the paid work, all the work they do. And then the minister takes up. Without the ministry, you and I are allied to a situation in this country where Papa Uchiankama acted for two ministries. We have seen a number of such issues. And they perform. The other minister was not there. Then they add another one to you, and you perform. How did you work the magic? It's just the, the bureaucracy. The, the, the technical officers, the support of them, they will support. Government will come, government will go. These people will be there. Without the visits, I can tell you without fear of contradiction that the bureaucracy will live up to expectation as they've done over the years. So that's it. But we should be careful that this will not also open the floodgates for, you know, government to also smuggle in what? Special assistance, special aid. We don't need all of them. We don't need all of them. Because whatever skills set that we need, the bureaucracy has and has more. Once we depend on that, that's it. That's it. I am also of the view that, uh, fast forward, we need to have bodies that will be attached to, you know, um, you know, we set them up so that in case of like economic difficulty, we have a group such as like the state sort of think tank that about 100 people or 60 the number we can work things out we will sit down reflect on if it's economic economic issue and come out with solutions so like we're going to imf you give it to about 100 of them who constitute a body drawn from the good news is that we have people who draw salary from government was payroll and put them together i tell you they will prescribe economic solutions they will prescribe political solutions and whatever solution you need. And then, look, they will not even need much money or anything of that sort. I, for instance, if you put a team together and say we are looking for a political solution for this country, for instance, I'm ready to work without a dime, just that I, my name will go into the annals of this country that when his country was in difficulties, he also rose up to the occasion. That's all scholarship is all about. So we should also gravitate towards that, so that we have a body that quickly we, 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 we will fall on them. Advanced countries, they have people like that. So the bodies are there. They will fall on them that, hey, what do we do? We are in economic crunch. What is the way forward? They suggest something, we work with it. That, then we are showing seriousness. But yes. I believe that, yes, what we are talking about is a But we should also extend the conversation to the judiciary. Let's place a cap on it. The U.S. Supreme Court is made up of nine members who sit at the goal. They listen to 50 cases a year. Why do we have what? And so what? Saying that there's a vacancy for three and more. No. We have to do the need for the U.S. example is that we can look at it where out of the nine judges have the top lawyers in the city. Uh, some of them are picked and what? They work under the, uh, the, the each of the Supreme Court judges. Each of them has over 10 crack uh, lawyers who work under it. Collect data and help them to write their report. And they listen to 50 cases a, a day. Sorry, a year. What it means is that, look, government may come, government may go. The time will come that you don't need to even put anybody in the court. Because nobody has to resign. And that tells you that, look, you are doing something serious about what? Uh, public fairs. You are ensuring and value for money. Why do you put so many in office? And then when they retire, by their, con their conditions of service, we are supposed to pay them till they die. The payment is not a problem, but the number we can reduce and still pay them, if it is seven, if it is nine, we want to maintain. Let's maintain that 
and then pay them when they retire till they die. I'm grateful for your time. Dr. Asante, Senior Political Science Lecturer of the University of Ghana. He's also the Executive Director of the Center for European Studies at the University of Ghana. Now, school fees for 50 tertiary students affected by the flood disaster caused by the spillage of the Akosombo Dam, totaling 110,524.83 cities, have been cleared in full by the Member of Parliament for the Nocturne Constituency, Samuel Okujetua Black, on Sunday, November 12. During a brief ceremony to hand over the various cash amounts to the students, Ms. Okujetua emphasized the necessity of the intervention towards ensuring the educational flood victims from the constituency is not disrupted. There's more in this report by Carlos Coloni. These 50 flood victims who are students from across the Nocturn constituency attending various tertiary institutions in the country had their personal belongings and livelihoods as well as those of their parents destroyed in the flood disaster occasioned by the spillage of the Akosombo Dam. For many of them, paying the academic fees was a major challenge. I was even thinking of how to go back to school and then settle my bills and, and other things. However, during a ceremony where each student was handed a full academic user fee, totaling 110,524 cities, 83 pesos, the North Tongue MP Samuel Okujetua Blakwa highlighted a number of interventions he introduced at the beginning of the flood disaster to ensure student education are not truncated. Since the disaster, my office has been rolling out a number of interventions and initiatives to alleviate the plight of victims of the floods. In the specific area of education, I have rolled out a number of initiatives which you may have heard about. The first being the mobilization of volunteer teachers to organize classes in the camps, because as you do know, the 21 displaced camps are camps in schools. And what that means is that the children are suffering double displacement or double agony, if you like. So having been displaced from their homes, they are now displaced from their schools. And so we didn't think that it would be responsible on our part to just look on as they lose precious academic time. And so we quickly mobilized volunteer teachers some of them are amongst you today, university students, some professional teachers, and we purchased marker boards, markers, TLMs, so that they can be ready for the camp classes. In addition to that, we have provided exercise books, pens, pencils, erasers, sharpness, school bags, and school shoes for our school peoples and students. We have done all of that so that the students and school peoples can at least catch up and make up for lost time. This is the latest in the series of interventions to help ameliorate your plight and particularly our students in tertiary institutions. In addition to paying the full school fees, the MP also provided transportation fares for each student, advising them to avoid deviant behavior and focus on their studies. Support your transportation uh, to your various destinations so you are not tempted to touch your school fees. So um, enough to go around for all of you for your transportation. Some of the beneficiary students express their gratitude to the MP and promise to make the investment worthwhile. And our MP, Honorable Samuel Kujetu, has paid our school fees for us. I'm paying 1,500 cities and this evening he has paid my school fees for me. Thank him very much. God appreciate the blessing. Basically, this is going to help me continue my education because I have been affected and I have been wondering how I'm going to pay my school fees as well.
Even though floodwaters have receded in some communities at the epicenter of the flood disaster, the after-effects of livelihoods and education continue to linger. Carlos Caloni, Joy News. We're still live on Joy News Desk. When we return from this break, there is business coming up. Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair is more than an exhibition. It's the gateway to your dream home. Don't miss this chance to make informed decisions about every aspect of your living space. Join us at the Accra International Conference Center from Thursday, November 23rd to Sunday, November 26th, 2023. This year, we are diving into the theme of home ownership, exploring the nuances between affordability, comfort, and luxury. We are bringing everything housing under one roof just for you. See you there. The Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair is in partnership with Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank, and powered by the Plant City Extension Project from Cities and Habitats, Rent to Own, and sponsored by Elegant Homes and General Constructions Limited, where quality meets value. Global Lighting, your solution to quality lighting. Syntex Tank, Air Strong, Air Tough, Springfield Estates, where dreams are built, Virtual Security, Complete Security Solution, DBS, Your Roof Experts, Virtual Infosec Africa, Security Solutions by Design, St. Gobain, Making the World a Better Plan, Clifton Homes, Beautiful Homes, Wise Investments, The Kissington Heights, Airport City, Kumasi, by HDG Homes Limited. Good morning. Welcome to Business. My name is Daryl Kwao. There are growing concerns about the continuous adoption of conventional farming practices which contribute to the country's degrading soil quality levels. 
The Ghana Institute of Horticulturists is the latest to join calls against farming methods that tend to negatively affect the soil structure with consummate effects on food and nutrition security. With climate change impacting heavily on agriculture, the group is advocating the uptake of conservatory type of farming known as regenerative agriculture to restore the country's arable lands. Here's more in this report. Many arable lands in Ghana are continuously eroding owing to poor agricultural practices, mining, infrastructure and urban expansion, illegal logging, overgrazing, among others. With the country's soil erosion level pegged at nearly 40%, the worrying trend of depletion is a threat to agricultural productivity. At its 23rd Annual General Meeting and Scientific Conference, members of the Ghana Institute of Horticulturists were alarmed by the various environmental changes impacting negatively on crop production. Professor Harrison Dapa is a crop scientist. Temperatures are increasing, there are flooding, so they're not, we are not talking of the Volta River flooding, but the natural ones which come out of rainfall, which uh, uh, people's... Uh, Farmers fields are uh, actually flooded and others. And then we have the environmental increases in pests and diseases all over the place because of the changing environment. And climate change impact is heavily, heavily is having a, a, a huge impact on us. And that is why we're saying that hopefully uh, as we discuss this issue at this particular conference, we'll be able to come out with something that will be able to help farmers fight climate change. Head of Horticulture Department of the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, Professor Francis Apia, is not only worried by the impacts on food security, but also nutrition security. is advising farmers to employ practices that protect the integrity of the soil. We have the potential to show the world that it is possible to feed a nation while preserving the environment. We need to keep a balance of feeding the nation through proven practices for yield and quality and then keeping its health. We can be the touch bearers of regenerative horticulture while not abandoning the known practices with capacity for yield without neglecting quality setting an example for sustainable practices that can nourish our people and protect our planet. Themed the sustainable crop production and food security through regenerative agriculture, the scientific conference brought together industry players in the crop production hub. The group is prevailing on the government and other private investors to channel resources into the horticultural sector. Professor Halim Abubakari is president of the Ghana Institute of Horticulturists. Um, I think what we need now is um, more investment in best management practices. Um, we've been doing that over the years, and if you look at a lot of the money that goes into regenerative agriculture and sustainable agriculture, they're mainly from NGOs and donor organizations, and we all know that this is not sustainable. So we're calling, um, we're calling on investors in Ghana. We know people who are doing investment and they're investing in real estate, they're investing in manufacturing, but we are thinking that we can also put some money into regenerative um, horticulture. So we are calling on the uh, investors within the country. For Joy News, my name is Emmanuel Brightquick. Now, the trade of 100 women shea nut pickers in the northern belt of the country has been given a boost, a major boost, following donation of shareholders under the Savannah Integrated Biodiversity Conservation Initiative. Coordinator of the project, Dr. Asa Mohammed, said apart from the shea rollers increasing the picking capacity of the nuts by the women, it would also reduce their health burden. Joining us is Upper West correspondent Rafiq Salam has more. Shea nut is one of the agricultural products with the greatest potential for increasing foreign exchange and employment. There is a growing demand on the world market for shea nuts as well as its byproducts. The share industry generates employment and income for about a million rural women in northern Ghana involved in picking nuts and marketing processed share kernel and share butter. 
based on the aforementioned and the need to protect the Mori National Park, the University for Development Studies, in partnership with Ghana Wildlife Society, Nature and Development Foundation, and Corporation Pelos Levipo, Depece, Emergenti, Onlus, Cospi, in Italy, received funding from the European Union to implement a project codenamed Savannah Integrated Biodiversity Conversation Initiative, SIPSI. The project is aimed to import the implementation of sustainable management of the Mori National Park and peripheral areas implemented under the European Union's Pabio program, which aims at sound management of large landscapes of high biodiversity value. Project coordinator for SIPSI, Dr. Asar Mohammed, to further light on the project. And this project came from the idea that the Moli Park, sustainable management of the Moli Park has been a challenge in Ghana. And the challenge has always been several attempts to reduce poaching and destruction of the biodiversity of the Moli Park. Then this project came from the idea that sustainable management of the Moli Park would depend on providing alternative livelihoods for people whose livelihood depends on the park, particularly the hunters, we call the poachers, and those who do other activities like uh, uh, illegal logging and other activities that are enemical to the park. So in 2009, the idea came and then we proposed this to the European Union. And the European Union gladly provided funding for four years for these activities. 100 women share pickers drawn from Mankurugu in North Gonja, Tantale in Mankurugu, Maduri, and Bulenge in the wise districts were given Shena picking rollers, basins, and cutlass to aid in their work. Yeah, so this particular equipment that we have given to them to enhance their picking, as we are demonstrating, you see that it increases your capacity to pick more than 10%, 10, 10 times. So if we are picking one bag a year, you have been picking about 10 bags. And by a multiplier effect, you will be making so much money because a bag of uh, uh, nuts now is about 200 to 400 cities. And if you can pick more because of this machine that we are giving to them, in a way, you are enhancing your income as a woman. All right, and that's it for this segment. Uh, the news continues after the break. The 2023 Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair is more than an exhibition. It's the gateway to your dream home. Don't miss this chance to make informed decisions about every aspect of your living space. Join us at the Accra International Conference Center from Thursday, November 23rd to Sunday, November 26th, 2023. This year, we are diving into the theme of home ownership, exploring the nuances between affordability, comfort, and luxury. We are bringing everything housing under one roof just for you. See you there. The Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair is in partnership with Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank, and powered by the Plant City Extension Project from Citizen Habitats, Rent to Own, and sponsored by Elegant Homes and General Constructions Limited, where quality meets value. Global Lighting, your solution to quality lighting. Syntex Tank, Air Strong, Air Tough, Springfield Estates, where dreams are built. Virtual Security, Complete Security Solution, DBS, your roof experts. Virtual Infosec Africa, Security Solutions by Design, St. Gobain, making the world a better plan. Clifton Homes, beautiful homes, wise investments. The Kissington Heights, Airport City, Kumasi, by HDG Homes Limited. Your favorite TV game show, Step Up, is back with another amazing season. This time, we are stepping up with Syntex Tank. Step up with Syntex Tank. We'll see contestants answer questions of their choice and win over 6,000 Ghana CDs cash prize weekly and other products from our sponsors. 
this season. Viewers at home should watch out for the Syntex Tag Question of the Week. Be the first to answer correctly via WhatsApp or send SMS to 050-833-8888 and win incredible prizes. The person who answers most of the weekly questions correctly and fastest gets a 65-inch Samsung TV at the end of the season. Step up with Syntex Tan, showing on Joy Prime every Sunday, 7.30 p.m. Sponsored by Bell Ice, MTN Momo, Angel Cola, powered by Syntex Tan. Joy Prime, your ultimate experience. That's how we wrap up joining us. My name is Aisha Prime. See you again at 12.